Dr. Linnea Plummer, today's guest, founded the Onyx Therapy Group, which serves members of the LGBTQ, African American, and veteran communities. As a black veteran member of the LGBTQ community, she leverages her lived experience to help others. She'll share insights about her work and superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show, where we empower you. Dr. Plummer, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a thrill to have you on the show. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're great. You're great. Uh, You know, you are doing such important work. You know, I've kind of disclosed to my community that uh, I'm dealing with a mental health diagnosis and trying to to learn how to manage that uh, as best I can, to be as effective as I can at life. And uh, I've had some great help and I'm thrilled with that. But you are providing this sort of help in a couple of powerful ways uh, in the LGBTQ community and the Black community. Tell us about your practice with Onyx Therapy Group. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so Onyx Therapy Group is my baby, and we have been working together for 10 years. That's what I like to say. I started Onyx 10 years ago, and it really came out of a need uh, to support the community. So 10 years ago, right now we're in a space where people are talking about mental health a lot more. And we're seeing it in mass media and we're seeing it on TV shows. And, you know, we even have some politicians that are talking about mental health and things like that. But 10 years ago, a lot of that mental health conversation was um, being centered on some of our folks that were in the military, specifically around PTSD. There were conversations here and there about postpartum, but there weren't a lot of intersecting conversations around mental health. So intersection of gender, intersections of race, intersections of social economic status and, and things like that, and how all of those normal day-to-day things, the non-diagno- non-diagnosable things are also affecting our mental health. So Generally, when people think about mental health, they think about a diagnosis, depression, anxiety, a personality disorder, but they're not thinking about what we refer to as our Z codes, which are like family relationships, identity development, and and all of those things. Specifically for the Black community, it was still very much a taboo and is still a taboo to participate in mental health services. And so it was important for me to show up authentically and talk about mental health. I don't look like the average counselor, right? And 10 years ago, I was much younger, right? Devin, you got you got me 10 years ago, much younger. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm full of energy. You know, I, I am full of life and personality. And it made sense for me to start talking about mental health in ways to say that Anyone can talk about mental health. It's not stuffy. It's not classic. It's not just the Freudian and the young. It's also people who are accessible to you, people who you hang out with. You know, when you go to happy hour or at brunch, we are also part of the mental health movement. And uh, and when I started off, I really wanted to focus on the Black community and focus on children, too. My thought was if I can help young children with their mental health, then it has a parallel process where I'm able to help their parents and I'm able to help anybody that is in their social ecosystem. 
Um, and I'm also able to intervene with that young child before they go to middle school or high school and they get cemented into some of the maladaptive behaviors um, or the um, the negative cognitive distortions that will cause issues for them later on in life. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. One of the things I I, uh, I lived, uh, was born in Utah, raised there, lived there for 45 or 46 of my many years. And uh, Utah has a distinction, or at least it had for some time as uh, a state with the highest teen suicide rate. And there seemed to be a correlation with the LGBT community. And you're working in that community. That's Tell right. us a little bit about what you're seeing there and how you serve that community. Yeah. You know, in addition to owning uh, Onyx, I'm also a faculty member at Johns Hopkins University. So I get to do a lot of research around human development and present that research to my students at the university. And adolescents in general are our are, are most fragile group of development. And most of the time, people think that it's young children, right? Or infants and toddlers. But those groups get so much attention from parents, from caregivers, from other adults. But by the time a person becomes in that adolescent time frame, people are acting and expecting them to be far more mature and giving and taking their hands off a little bit more and expecting them to figure things out. But it's a wide age group and it and it's very fragile because this is a time where they are developing their identity, who they will be, and they need to be supported and have reinforcements. This is also the time frame where we really start talking about sexual identity development. So it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't necessarily mean attraction specifically, nor does it mean behavior specifically. So someone can start identifying as part of the LGBTQ community without ever having any type of behavioral interaction with somebody that's in their same gender base meaning in classic terms that they're still quote unquote a virgin, but they still are identifying as part of the LGBTQ community. Sure. So the intersections of that human development, in, in addition to that general uh, identity development about sexual orientation, is really a fragile place. And without reinforcement, without support, one feels confused and they don't know where out, what outlets to take. They don't have resources or access. And so they start to internalize the lack of access to that something is wrong with them. Why don't I have the support? Why can't people accept me? Why aren't people um, giving me access and resources? In addition to, so this is internalized. Now, in addition to um, media, sometimes uh, mischaracterizing people that are in the LGBTQ community. There's some major stereotypes in media about what it means to be a gay man or a, a straight woman um, or a queer woman, rather. So those two things are conflicting and subsequently they're causing a young person who doesn't have all the skills, who doesn't have all the resources, and who certainly doesn't have the full capacity of their brain development to start making some impulsive and risky decisions. And that can lead to self-injurious, non-suicidal behaviors that can lead to just general risky behaviors like speeding and all those kind of things. It can lead to interactions that are not using protection. Um, and all of that just makes the situation even worse. 
And then we find ourselves in positions where these young people who don't have full brain development, who don't feel supported and reinforced, who are struggling with their identity and expression of their identity, in addition to other factors like religion and family values and morals and all of that, where they decide that they want to give up. And uh, most of the time for from survivors of suicide attempts, most of the time they don't want to actually die. They just want that pain to stop. They want the isolation and the feeling of abandonment to stop. And they don't know how it's going to stop. And subsequently, they don't know how long they can endure. So most times they're not really wanting to die. They just want the pain to end. Yeah, it, it's a, a profound point that you make that it's the, the pain they want to stop, not their life. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you help them? How do you coach them? How do you treat them so that they can overcome that desire to end the pain in, in the wrong way? Yeah. So not just with adolescents, right? But a part of the work that I love about mental health is is the talk therapy work. So we have the research varies on how many thoughts we have in a minute, but on average, they're thinking we have about a hundred thoughts a minute, right? So we have yeah. our conscious thoughts. We have our subconscious thoughts. We have our unconscious thoughts. We're not quite sure which of those thoughts we're making behaviors off of, um, right. but all of these things are just happening and they, and we start to ruminate, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that is most helpful is stopping the rumination by just allowing people to say what they haven't said before. Uh, Just talking, just getting it out. So again, imagining a young person or any age person who uh, has a hundred and something thoughts a minute, 600, 700 thoughts in just a short amount of time, and they don't have the space to get it out. Then they're going to keep holding on to that and holding on to that, and life is still happening. I think about it and I describe it with students as you have these thoughts and you're and you're shaking a bottle, right? It's just moving around, it's moving around, or a marble in a in a jar. It's just moving around, and you start to go crazy. Literally, start to go crazy. The best thing to do is start talking about it. And then, of course, once we get into talk therapy, there's a lot of other things that we can do, um, specifically related to our five senses or related to EMDR um, or related to all these different types of therapies that allow the pain to stop. Recently, I had uh, a guest on the show, uh, General Greg Martin. He was a two-star general, served 40 years in the military, at least some of those years as an undiagnosed uh, bipolar disorder situation. And um, finally, that got out of control. He he was uh, asked to resign Mm. uh, when his mania got out of control. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, thankfully, he was in a situation to get the care he needed. It took a couple of years to get him back, recalibrated. Now he's doing very well. He's thriving as a a speaker and an author and just doing great work. But uh, I understand you have uh, a military background as well. Uh, Thank you for your service. I I admire that. Um, I imagine that there are some unique situations that arise within that community. How have you addressed that? You know, even going even further with that, thinking about it from the intersections, right? 
So not only am I a veteran, I'm a Black woman who identifies as bisexual and a single mother uh, for several years and a person coming from poverty who is now not not identifying as a person in poverty, right? So I've jumped a couple of those social economic um, status groups. The military is very structured and it's very uh, rigid. And my real life is also very structured, funny enough. I'm also a military brat. My dad did 26 years in the army. The military is good for those who need that type of structure, um, but it is challenging for those who are trying to create an identity, right? Um, Who are trying to figure out who they are. The military doesn't give a lot of room for that. And part of the reason that they don't give a lot of room for that is because we are soldiers. We are military people. We are we are weapons in the time of war. And so they don't need us to have a whole lot of individual identity uh, because that takes away from the purpose of being in the military. That old term GI, government issued, right? Like we are part of the military and we are of service to the military. So there's not a, a lot of room for identity development. And so anything that that is abnormal, becomes a bit of a concern for the military. So while I am extremely sad that this general was asked to um, retire, I am not surprised because he was he became abnormal to what the military needed him to be as a general. And so it's not the problem of the military per se, uh, because that's the institution. That's what they're designed for. We are weapons in times of war. That is what we are to protect our country and to protect the citizens of our country. Um, But there's not a lot of room to just be unique. And so when we talk about that in terms of my identity and all the intersections that were there, it, 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 while it was a beautiful experience for me, I recognize that it just wasn't the one that was going to be the most healthiest for me in terms of my own mental health. The military, because it doesn't always allow for individual identity development, it does create a clash for for certain folks that are in there. Uh, And when people choose the military as a career option because they believe that's their only career option, it becomes even more limiting because they don't have the pressure. They don't have the opportunity to get out. They feel the pressure to stay in and subsequently suppress their identity. I remember being in the military and knowing that I was attracted to women as much as I was attracted to men and the shame that I had and the hiding that I had. And I remember one of my soldiers who kept referring to her partner um, in a gender neutral kind of name until one day I specifically asked about the gender of her so- of her partner. And she was hesitant to answer because of my position in the military and she thought there was going to be consequences, but there wasn't. There was a lot of us that were walking around the shame. There was a lot of us that were hiding. Um, a lot of us that were scared. Yeah. Yeah. Were you in the military during don't ask, don't tell or, or after? Um, shortly after it became legal and just became just because it was legal to be open didn't mean that it was culturally appropriate. Right. <laughs> so right. there would still be, um, sadly, there was still incidents of retaliation, right? And so yeah. maybe you came out and they didn't put you out of the military or ask you to resign or to leave uh, your post. 
because you were gay. But then now they're really being there. There's this scrutiny around your weight or there's this scrutiny around your fitness or there's this scrutiny around how you've interacted with other people. So they're not going to put you out because you're gay, but they're going to put you out because of something else. That other thing, they wouldn't have paid attention to as much. And so I while see. it was legal to be open, it wasn't culturally appropriate to be open. Yeah. It's so hard. So hard. Yeah. Well, Linnell, you have done some really amazing things. And the work you do is so incredibly important for so many people. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I'd love to talk to you forever just about your work because it, it is so highly impactful, so incredibly important. But I want to move on and talk a little bit about you on a more personal level. Uh, yes. What is your superpower? <laughs> So, David, I probably should have been more prepared for that question, right? Um, I like to no. think that I'm just magic. I'm, I'm just walking magic. I just sprinkle magic everywhere I go. Um, and, and that magic comes in the form of what people would see as uh, disciplined or intentional, uh, the intersection of um, of understanding words and and the power of words, as well as being spiritually intuitive. So I, my friends tease me and they say, ah, oh, Linnell, you are the yin and the yang, right? And, and, and they, are, they are teasing when they say it, but they're also truthful in that I'm very intentional about how I show up because it's important to me to sprinkle magic wherever I am, a little bit of magic here and a little bit of magic there. It's also... And so I think about my superpower in being able to heal people in in um, briefly heal people in 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 small increments. So my clients that are my ther that are in therapy with me, they get me one hundred percent of me when they need me, right? And and they schedule their sessions, and we get to spend our time together. But I like to think that when people interact with me, that they feel a little bit of that magic. They feel hope. They feel the idea that healing is just around the corner by just two sentences that I said, or just by the presence that I had with them, or just by a simple touch on their shoulder. The pandemic hurt me so bad, Devin, because I couldn't touch people, right? And sometimes people just need a touch. If you... Yeah. If you have been disconnected from humans and you've had trauma and you have trust issues and you have identity issues and you want to be seen and you want to be heard, sometimes you just need somebody to touch you and say, I see you. I hear yeah. you. Sometimes you just need a touch. And that's what I do. My superpower is in my intuition and my discernment um, to understand what a person might need. I oftentimes pray not just to my God and my spiritual guides, but whomever I'm interacting with. And I pray to their guides, too. And I ask them to use me as a vessel. Tell me what yeah. I need to say. Tell me what I need to do in this moment so that this person that's in front of me hears the message that that you want them to hear. Yeah, that's profound. Uh, I, I just love that. I think about your your magic and the impact you're having, that all these things coming together, your discipline, your intentionality, your 
intuitiveness, your empathy. I didn't hear you use that word, but I heard you describe that. Your ability to understand people and help them in the moment, your willingness to be there for people. Yeah. Um, as you think about your magic, uh, can you share a story of when you really felt like you made a difference for someone using your magic? Um, I make a difference for a story where I make a difference. You know, Devin, that is such a hard question for me to answer because it I think it comes in different forms. I make a difference for my students. Oh, you know what? I'll give you an example. All okay. right. You, you want to know one? This is my most yeah. recent one. It came yesterday, Devin. It came yesterday. Okay. Great. So I am very open about my uh, sexual orientation, primarily because I think that I have what in the community is called passing privilege. So if people see me, they wouldn't necessarily think that I was part of the LGBTQ community because I fit particular straight woman stereotypes. I'm a heel wearing girl. I like shorts and dresses and all of that kind of stuff. Very rarely do you hear professors talk about their sexual orientation. It is just assumed that they are straight. Right. Unless they sit, unless something specific happens, that makes people wonder. But because we have been trained as professionals to compartmentalize and separate, um, there's no real there has not really been a place to intersect your natural personal identity with your professional identity. Except I'm teaching students, I'm teaching counselors, people who are going to be counselors who are required to show up authentically every space that they go in because that's what their clients need and that's what the world needs. So I'm open and talking to my students about my sexual orientation. I'm open to talking about my students about the fact that I came out when I was in my 30s, right? So just not even a decade ago, I, I'm open and talking about being a single mother for so long and what that meant for me and my career and my mental health. Yesterday, one of my students um, came after presentation and said, hey, Dr. Plummer, quite, quite emotionally came to me and said, hey, Dr. Plummer, this is my very first time having a professor who was queer. And I said, yes. And what I was thinking was, it's the first time you knew that they were queer, right? Right, right. But what he was also saying was, I now feel like I have a professional place. I didn't know if I could be a professional and be queer. I didn't know if the two could exist together. Uh, just you being you made me know that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, wow. That is so powerful. Just to be a role model, just to be an example. Yeah. Uh, to be yourself in public. Uh, yeah. That, that is That is powerful. That is powerful. Yeah. Now, if you were, you're a teacher. Right? Yeah. Professor. So you teach people all the time. If you were giving a lecture on how to develop Dr. Plummer's magic as a personal <laughs> strength, how would you coach your students to be more like you in that way? That no one can be like me. I have a, I have my own unique individual purpose in this world. And so that's why I'm packaged the way I am, right? Like all of who I am 
is part of my purpose, being black and queer yeah. and, you know, brown skin black. And there's layers to all of that, right? Yeah, um, yeah. There's layers to all of that. But what I will say is that I truly 100% believe without a doubt that we all came to this earth for a particular set of purpose. And we are packaged intentionally to fulfill that purpose. So whether somebody's really tall or whether they're really short or whether they are bigger bodied or smaller bodied or whether they are queer or not, all of that is part of the purpose. But where I think people get stopped and get confused is that they don't know what their purpose is. And so they start doubting themselves. Am I supposed to be this way or am I supposed to act like this? Am I supposed to do this thing or am I supposed to act like the way that these people tell me I am? And they start questioning themselves so much that they can't hear their spirit guides. They can't hear themselves saying this is the direction you're supposed to be going in. This is the route that you're supposed to be in. When I think about my own self, Devin, I know when my own personal anxiety is rising is because I'm disconnected from spirit. I'm disconnected from myself. And that doesn't mean that anxiety is only spirit-based, right? It, it's right. chemical-based as well. It's environmental-based as well. But I do believe that there are many times where we are experiencing a lot of extreme um cognitive distortions and behaviors, maladaptive behaviors and defense mechanisms and insecure attachment and all the things that are connected to theories because we are disconnected from ourselves. And so one of the things that I do daily is to, is to connect. And so if I were to teach my students how to be like Dr. Plummer, I would say the first thing you need to do is connect with yourself every day. Every day. So when you first get up and you want to get on social media or you want to go and do that, you need to do something that is just you for you with you taking a deep breath, reconciling whatever is happening in you, listening for just the moment, not a minute, right? A minute is shorter than a moment. Listening for a moment and understanding what your direction is for that particular day. And that is how I lead my life, Devin. And I have a busy life. I'm a CEO of a you know multi-office company. I have a team that works for me. I'm a professor. I teach four courses. You know, I'm a public speaker. I do all the things, all the things that are part of my purpose. Um, and 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 when people ask me how do I do it, I say I center myself. And when I because I need to hear what I'm supposed to be working on and doing that day from myself um, and from spirit. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to be flailing and I'm going to do all this and all that and all this and nothing's going to get accomplished. So, yeah. No, oh, fantastic. That is so profound. Thank you. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. I'm excited to share this with my audience because they're, <laughs> they're going to love it too. And they're going to hear all my animation, right? They're going to see all, <laughs> That's right. you know, hear all of the things. <laughs> That's right. Well, Anel, uh, before we go, I, I want to invite you to take a minute and tell people how they can learn more about your work, how they can connect with you personally or follow you on social media, how they hire you to come speak. Uh, you know, give us a little bit of the rundown so that no one who's wanting to learn more won't know how to do it. Absolutely, Devin. So listen, here's the thing. My name is so 
uncommon. <laughs> it is simply Linnell. L-A capital N-A-I-L. If anybody puts that in the search engine, they're going to see me. And so if anybody ever wanted to find me, all they had to do was is use my name, Linnell. And you can put the doctor in front of it or not. I'm still going to show up, Linnell Plummer. And so I'm on social media uh, as Mahogany Sunshine on IG, but Linnell Plummer. LinkedIn, Linnell Plummer. Facebook, Linnell Plummer. My company is Onyx Therapy Group, O-N-Y-X Therapy Group. And that is on all social media platforms as well. To really understand who I am would also be to read the blogs that are on our website. So I am writing maybe 90% of those blogs. And I am so vulnerable and so transparent in those blogs. One of them is about mental health and money. I said earlier, Devin, I grew up without money. I grew up in poverty. Oh, the connections, the things that I saw, the the, the things, right? And I talk yeah. about it very explicitly there. So my blogs are the best ways to really get to know me and my social media. If you want to have this kind of energy at a speaking event, it's going to happen because I'm so <laughs> authentically me, right? Um, and, and that's simply just reaching out to me in email, Dr dot plumber at onyxtherapygroup.com. And I love, I love doing therapy, Devin, because I get to help heal that individual client that's in front of me. But I love public speaking work too, because there's tens of hundreds of thousands of people there. And they may hear just a tad bit of information here and there that could really change their lives. Like something simple, like go to bed, at a decent time. And this is what it does to the brain. And this is what it does to the body. And this is what it does to the senses. And this is the implication on your relationships. Uh, or stop eating spicy foods because of what it does to your gut. And it doesn't release certain hormones like dopamine and serotonin that makes you feel good. Uh, I get to give that to lots of people at a time. And that feels good. I, that was a long answer, right? You want to find me? Linnell. Put Linnell in Google. <laughs> And I'm going to show up and we're going to connect. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, now, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I, yeah. I'm so grateful for the conversation. So thrilled with the work you're doing. And and with lives literally hanging in the balance of the work you do, I wish you all the success in the world. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Devin. And thank you for having me here and, and sharing me with the world. Thank you. All righty. Let's do some good. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book. Superpowers for Good as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.